Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, everyone. I apologize for skipping out on our regularly programmed schedule of posting podcast episodes on Tuesday, but I've just been so busy with client work and just other things happening, which has kind of thrown me off base. But I wanted to give you an update as to some interesting news items that have been happening or things you should be aware of over the next few minutes today. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. We're also on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Listen Notes and like 15 or so different portals. So subscribe, download past episodes, share the podcast with your friends on social media. If you haven't already, that would be so greatly appreciated if you did. But if you haven't already subscribed or even left a review, those will be very helpful in us reaching far more people out there. Here's what I've got for you guys today. The future of Virginia's General Assembly could be significantly altered on Election Day on November 5th. Without boring you with all the political details of my adopted state and and what's going on so much, We have statewide elections every single year, whether it is local races, federal races, state races. And this year we have the opportunity to either vote in some good lawmakers and unconventional candidates you don't normally see running in more urban areas like Fairfax County and Loudoun County. But uh, people who do not like the Second Amendment and who are very adamant about restricting access for law-abiding owners feel very empowered going into the November election in the coming weeks. I just saw some figures that anti-gun interests uh, in the form of Moms Demand Action and Every Town for Gun Safety, which are pet projects of Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire and former New York City mayor who is not a friend to the Second Amendment whatsoever. And those groups are very fraudulent, too. They claim to be for gun safety, and they say you have to put public safety ahead of freedom, which I don't think you have to do. And I think that's a wrong attitude to do because that instills fear in people and makes them more worried about the state of affairs. And any group that says you can't reconcile public safety with freedoms is not to be trusted. But that's my spiel about that. But I talked about that on WAMU, uh, the local NPR station here in Washington, D.C., and what concerns I have about gun interests or Second Amendment interests not being competitive financially with all these anti-gun interest groups pouring in 10 times the amount of money into state races and and trying to flip the state legislature to anti-gun interest. And it can be even argued anti-hunting interests. I have no doubt when, if they were to succeed, if they change the legislature and were to succeed in implementing this agenda, which is very radical, you listen to their words, it's extremely radical. They're not going to only go after 
and pursue red flag laws, banning AR-15s and most semi-automatic firearms in nature, implement universal background checks and things of that sort, they will likely go after hunting interests too. We've been seeing other states that have adopted these more extreme anti-gun measures, and you see a correlation with them adopting anti-hunting measures too. So if the state were to switch dramatically, we can see that, and that really concerns me. So if you're also a Virginia voter, vote for Second Amendment interests and freedom interests because the state's trajectory can change very significantly and to the detriment of gun owners here. So keep that in mind going into the ballot box this Tuesday, November 5th. Did you also see that country singer Dirks Bentley was recently fined $139.50 for fishing without a license and a trout stamp in Colorado? Dirks Bentley was there for his Seven Peaks Festival, which is a really cool festival from the looks of it. But you would think Mr. Bentley would be aware that you cannot fish for free in this country. So when people, his fans, saw that he posted a nice trout, I believe it was a brook trout, fish catch on his social media something didn't sit well with some of his fans so they cross-referenced with the colorado wildlife and parks agency and apparently it was determined that he did not have his fishing license non-resident fishing license and trout stamp on him so he will be fined 139 dollars and 50 cents the important lesson with that is no one is above conservation laws or licensure what if he had poached the trout or perhaps poached a, another species? That would be extremely bad for him, especially with him being a public figure. And he has great music. I love his music. And it was disappointing to see this. He should know better being someone who enjoys the outdoors. And what does that say to people if you're fishing without a license that you can just go and pillage and take more than your lot and disobey certain laws? And the conservation officers and wildlife biologists all across the country invest so much time and they use the excise taxes that we pay to help restore fish populations, to allow people to access certain waterways and things of that sort of the same with hunting and seeing people abuse their privileges like that is going to set a very bad example. So please, using the example of country singer Dirks Bentley, Always have a fishing license, especially if you're traveling from another state because those monies go back to conservation and you're not going to get in trouble and called out by people who follow you on social media because wildlife officers can cross-reference and check your social media to see if you are posting a catch or harvest without a license. They are very sophisticated these days and they should be because so many people poach and poaching is bad. So don't be like Dirks and, and have people call the popo on you and get a license. It goes back to conservation. It's not really expensive in many states. Just do it so you don't get embarrassed and you don't get called out. If you are a user of Airbnb, you may have seen a really cool update to the platform in their animal experiences. And it includes things like doing goat yoga, Wildlife horses, uh, seeing Arctic foxes, uh, checking out horses in Spain, playing with corgis in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, having tea with a farmer and some sheep in the United Kingdom, and so many really cool ways to experience safari 
animal experiences and the like. But that didn't sit well with, not surprisingly, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA, which is actually very contradictory to what they actually do. PETA cajoled the startup company, the really successful startup company, into giving them a donation and pledging that they're going to be more humane with their animal experiences. And here is a snippet of the press release stating that Airbnb had donated $100,000 to the organization to end exploitative wildlife tourism. And here's how that reads. As baby parrots and monkeys are taken away from their mothers for photo ops, dolphins and orcas are kept in concrete cells and made to perform for their supper, and elephants are snatched from their mothers so that they can be trained through force to give rides to tourists. Now, after working with PETA, Airbnb has not only unveiled a new, more robust animal welfare policy in its animal experiences booking category, but it also donated $100,000 to PETA's campaigns to help shut down exploitative wildlife tourism. End quote. It's really funny. This organization has the gall to lecture Airbnb hunters and anglers for doing things that are usually within the confines of the law, yet they never check themselves when they recommend animals to be euthanized, a large portion of the animals that go for the referral system. So they're really hypocritical, and it's really disconcerting that they are pressuring major companies to adopt certain policies when they, in fact, don't really have a good track record on animal welfare, despite claiming to otherwise. So I thought that was interesting to highlight as well. A final topic I wanted to discuss because we've had a lot of interviews and this completely almost slipped out of my mind, but I wanted to discuss briefly Uh, upcoming Supreme Court case that is going to be heard, the first gun case to be heard in about a decade or so since D.C. versus Heller, and I believe the other one relating to uh, the pink pistols and uh, whether or not you can carry outside the confines of your home. But it's probably one of the most prominent gun cases to be heard in the Supreme Court in at least a decade. And Stephen Gutowski of the Free Beacon, who we've had here on the podcast, wrote something about this subject on October 8th, earlier this month, saying this, that the Supreme Court announced on Monday that it would not dismiss a gun rights case against New York City, rejecting the city's request. And the city had requested, it reads on, uh, to change a restrictive gun control law only after SCOTUS accepted the case against it. The effort to loosen the transportation law, quietly supported by major gun control groups, was designed to subdue or, quote, moot, end quote, the complaint at the core of the case. In this case, and I'm reading now, it's called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus the City of New York, is the first substantial gun case the Supreme Court has taken in nearly a decade. It is also the first to explicitly deal with gun rights outside of the home. The case stems from New York City laws that allow those with premises licenses to only transport their guns to and from their homes and shooting ranges within New York City and nearly nowhere else. Plaintiffs argued in their brief to the court that the restrictions, quote, cannot be reconciled with a Second Amendment that protects individual rights or with any meaningful level of constitutional scrutiny, end quote. And Stephen also expands by saying they also claim that the laws violate the Commerce Clause and the right to travel. 
I'm going to link to the full case for you guys to read, but that should be on your radar just to pay attention to what happens there and see if further gun control laws will be loosened, especially if the highest court in the land rules such. And there could be some indications that they may rule more so in favor of gun rights going forward. We have a few moderate Supreme Court justices. It'll be interesting to see how Justice Brett Kavanaugh votes and maybe some of the other moderates on the bench. So it'll, it, it's really interesting, and I, I wanted to discuss that, albeit briefly, for you all, because I think it is extremely relevant, and I think if it is ruled in the favor of uh, those pro-gun interests, I think it could help expand gun rights in the more anti-gun regions of the country. As always, thank you for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. That's what I want this to be different avenue than what you hear typically from mainstream media sources and things of those calibers just because a lot of things are negative but there is hope and i talk about the good and the bad as it relates to conservation firearms hunting fishing and the like there we will be having some great interviews coming up over the next few weeks we're going to have an interview posted with Stephanie West Botelaro of the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation. I recently sat down with her to talk about what's happening in the realm of fishing. And I just recently had an interview with three awesome staffers and guys at Safari Club International here in D.C. I actually sat down with them yesterday to record a really fun podcast. I think the most guests I've had in one setting so far on a podcast simultaneously. So you're not going to want to miss those two. Make sure you are subscribed, you've downloaded past episodes, and if you feel inclined, leave us reviews. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's the best way to see who upcoming guests are, what we're talking about, and just kind of get a sense of what the podcast is about if you're fairly new. I'm off to Georgia to do some hog hunting and fly fishing for a ladies' cast and blast event, so if you don't hear from me, Make sure you follow me on Instagram. I'm going to do my best to highlight some cool things and some of the women I'll be fishing with at Headwaters on the Soqui. Follow them, too, on Instagram and other social media platforms if you feel inclined. It's a beautiful property. I'm going to have Mark come on the podcast and talk about what the property does and why it's so special and, and why you ought to fish there and possibly go hunting there too. He'll make his pitch for you all, I believe. And I'll have some of the ladies come on and, and chime in about their experiences at the lodge and just having camaraderie with women in fly fishing. So you're not going to want to miss the next few weeks with all these really exciting guests we're planning to have. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>